Hello and welcome to Deluded, the podcast for D's fans who are not willing to give up on the sinking ship. Neats, how are you feeling today? Well, we're recording this on a Sunday night and we're a little bit dusty from the night before. <laughs> um, so we had a quite interesting experience watching the game last night in that we had a, a, a sort of quarantine birthday party for um, our friend Carlos and we it was so funny because in true sort of gringo style we were all dressed up and ready to go to the party at like 8 p.m little did we realize that of course as we should have um, Mexican fiestas start at midnight and so which can which obviously clashed with our D's watching duties right so we ended up sort of sitting there from like 8 p.m to 12 hoping that we get the call up that the party had already started and <laughs> it had not actually started until after midnight um so we turned up and took all the necessary precautions, right? So, mm. yeah. Well, both from a social distancing and a not knowing the Melbourne score uh, perspective, which right. is frankly the more <laughs> important piece of it. So we got rid of all notifications on phones, um, needed deleted Twitter, um, some pretty extreme measures. Extreme, And we yeah. managed to preserve the integrity of the score, which was, you know, very worthwhile given what we saw later when we got home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, we get home after, what we, what time did we go home? Maybe like 2.30? Yeah. Yeah. So, a couple, we had a nice like sort of married couple two-hour. <laughs> yeah. Nice brisk appearance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Business to attend to. Exactly. So, we got home after a few mezcals and then we're watching the game. Uh, and it's, I'm just so glad that we got home so early because it's, it was, I mean, that was a first half to remember. It's got to be one of the worst halves <laughs> ever played by the Melbourne Football Club. I mean, it was so boring, like so, so boring. I mean, I've had plenty of first halves by Melbourne where I've just been angry or frustrated or resentful or questioning my own choices or, you know, all the usual Melbourne emotions, but just pure boredom. Like there was just nothing exciting about the first half at all. It really was. It was extra. It was really dull. And it was funny because in hindsight, I'm quite glad I watched it. Well, we watched it slightly drunk because mm. watching that sober would have been quite, uh, I mean, I just wonder, I just felt boredom, but I'm not sure yeah. if other people who were sober felt more, uh, had just felt stronger emotions. That's true. No, it just kind of went past a bit of a haze. But then the second half, I have to say, was interesting as much as anything. I mean, it was- I mean, it was frustrating in its own way. But look, it is a competitive game and you have to say that. Is this your attempt at being a bit glasses half full? We're trying to put our positives very early in the is episode that because so we, we don't have to so- say anything. <laughs> is that because we got these reviews saying that we were too negative? Look, there have been some uh, criticisms and they're not unreasonable, um, but- I think we stand by our negative perspective. <laughs> I think the last 50 years is our case. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you can make the best There is of it. no cause for positivity. Do you know what? It's no, really funny. No, there is cause for positivity, but it's just, you've got to be realistic about where this club is at. Well, right? it's funny actually, because as you know, um, when we quit our jobs and, and moved to Mexico, one of my resolutions for this year was to be more of an optimist. So, I was really kind of, <laughs> no, that was honestly like a goal of mine was to focus on being like an optimistic person. Right. Um, that require you to stop watching Melbourne games? Yeah. I mean, it probably should have because- that's definitely not helping my my cause for optimism. No, look, I mean, I think it was exactly the same as last year. It was uh, winning the clearances, winning the inside 50s, but ultimately the forward line is just a complete mess and there is 
we, we kick and hope. No one is taking any marks in the forward line. I couldn't believe how many, like we took, how many marks did we actually take in the forward line? Like in comparison to Geelong, hmm. I mean, they just completely, it's just like we look up, we've got no marking targets at all. Um, and that's, and this is even without Tom Stewart, who's obviously an All-Australian and clearly their best defender. So Yeah, that was a real indictment. I mean, Stewart goes down in the first quarter. You think that someone's going to get off the chain. Right. No, and no one looked like they were even getting any separation at all. And it was just, it was quite, it was just quite bleak. It was exactly the same. I mean, I think the forward line looked better at some points with, with Petrarca and Keziah Pickett. But then even then, I mean, can that, can we really rely on that as like mm. a sort of avenue for goal? We just have no system. I mean, Bailey Fritz, it's, it's very clear they really want to go to Bailey Fritz every time in the forward line. But that's just not, you know, he's obviously just getting much more attention than normal. Well, he had Blixavs on exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah, you know, a huge sign of respect, but also a very tough matchup. Totally. I don't know. I, I fully agree with all the forward line criticisms, as you're well aware. But, I mean, the midfield has to take some blame as well, right? The truth is, so many times we have Viney, who, you know, did a really good job in the contested ball, you know, tries his best, but just spraying it. And, you know, you can have the best system in the world, but if you have players coming out of the midfield who are just kicking it high over players, not in good positions, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, in a way, I think our clearance and contested ball stuff, it's just a bit misleading because it makes it look like our midfield's ticking along fine and the problems are on the other ends. But what about the delivery into the forward line? Yeah, yeah. they don't really give their forwards much hope at all. And you look at Geelong's forward line, which just functions so seamlessly. And Tom Hawkins got a lot of separation uh, from Stephen May and we can talk about that in a second, but it's just it's just chalk and cheese, really, in yeah. terms of the, the the manner with which they grow forward, with purpose and with structure, and you know, this is just this. I guess so. Although Geelong looked pretty bad as well. Oh, definitely, I mean, definitely. Yeah. But when they clicked into gear, they just looked so much more structured than we do. It's yeah. just quite. I don't know. And the thing, but ultimately, it hinges around Hawkins, right? Definitely, and that's our problem, right? We just Tom, don't have any. Tom McDonald isn't that player. No, he's not. And yeah. he had an amazing season a few years ago, but he just hasn't been that that player for a couple of years. Yeah. So did a couple of nice things in this game. Yeah, took a on. really good mark and yeah. kicked a goal. But you know, we need we need to figure out what the plan B is because this yeah. is just not working anymore. And look, I mean, the other thing I would say is the back line. Like when you lose mm. by less than a kick, and some of those mistakes. I mean, oh. <sighs> Like Dalhouse just passing off to Dangerfield and nobody manning up Dangerfield is just Shocking. absurd. Yeah. And then nobody being on the goal line when Radicalia kicked that goal from outside 50. I mean, yeah. what is that? It's just – and when you lose by less than a kick, you've got to ask yourself, how do those mistakes – how are those mistakes allowed to happen? And, right. you know, I don't think they're – I don't want to blame everything on May and Lever, but we've just invested – three first-round draft picks into their recruitment, into the club. Yeah. Um, particularly the one that kills me is like the May trade and you see, you know, Bailey Smith and Ben King just being awesome gun young players. And I'm not saying we necessarily had the the cattle, you know, without Stephen May, but just when you invest so much into the back line, you expect to see a really a really sturdy, steady, you know, back line that repels everything. Yeah. And we're just not seeing that. We just see mistakes all the time. Look, I think those guys have been – decent it's not as if they're playing like badly but i don't think they're dominating you know no, I, I don't really see lever as like a, a dominant intercept marking threat i see i was really disappointed to see yeah hawkins get so much space from may on multiple occasions and if hawkins kicked straight it could have been much uglier it's just return on investment yeah. you know and then no one's saying that they've been bad but it's more just return on investment when you right. invest that much and and that's the thing that's 
that's frustrating me. Maybe, um, maybe in slightly in fairness to the coaching team. I mean, they have tried to play some young players in defense to give them a shot. And I think, frankly, are probably our weakest defenders this week were the three young players. Like, Rivers didn't have a good game. No. Lockhart had a really bad game. Joel Smith had a really bad game. And look, you can question whether any of these players should necessarily be in the team. I mean, particularly um, Smith and Lockhart. But I do understand the coaching panel wanting to give them a go, you know, because Jeddah and Inhibit have been great servants. But, you know, they're getting old and their form has slipped in the last couple of years. Well, Hibbard was – we can talk about Hibbard in a second, but mm. I thought he was great. He played um, a great game. But, you know, you do have to think about the future a little bit. Um, and so, you know, so many of our goals were because those younger players got caught holding the ball, for example, yeah. or Joel Smith couldn't get it over the line. And maybe they'll learn from that. Look, this is my attempt at a, at a, at a silver lighting. I don't know. It's just – convincing it is. Well, let's talk about some of our disagreements of the week. Um, all right. So, first disagreement. I personally think – well, do you personally think? Whose disagreement is this? This is my disagreement. Okay. This is a very weirdly formed disagreement. I think we should abandon the Tom McDonald forward experiment. And I appreciate that he kicked 50 goals, what, a couple of years ago, and we've staked everything on this experiment. I just don't believe, number one, that it's going to really work on a consistent basis, and number two, that we're going to win a premiership with this setup. Where do you think – well, what, premiership is just not even in contention really right now. Where do you think he should play? Or do you so, think he should be dropped? No, I don't think he should be dropped, although I do think he looks a lot slower than I remember. He almost looks a bit too bulky. But I've said this for a long time. I think he should play higher up the ground as like a winger that rotates backwards and forwards, occasionally moves into the forward line. But he's an amazing runner. Um, you know, he's not a bad field kick, as these things go. I wouldn't say he's spectacular, but he's decent. And he can, he can just really outrun his opponents. I would put him up there and I would isolate some of our smaller players, right? Like put Petrarca in the goal square for large portions, um, Kaziah Pickett, Hannon, you know, some of these young young players, maybe give Wiedemann a go. Because frankly, at the end of the day, we've put a lot of chips on the, the Wiedemann play. Um, let's just give him this year. We're not going to make the finals, or maybe we are, but we're certainly not going to win the premiership this year. I mean, I don't know if I really think based on how we're playing that finals and, and particularly premiership seems like a pretty far cry. But right. look, I think from my perspective, I I just think who else have you got? Like, I mean, ultimately – the idea of putting Kaiseya Pickett and Petrarca in the forward line and saying, you guys be our marking targets and you guys be our goal-kicking targets. I mean, you've got a first-year player or a guy playing his third, fourth game or whatever it is. Right. What and about then you've got though? Well, so then the problem is, is like, obviously, I mean, look, I'm not averse to giving Wiedemann a go, but ultimately you put Wiedemann in the goal square and if nothing happens, what do they do then? Like, what, what do they actually do then? Do they go back to Tom McDonald? Do they go to Luke Jackson? Like, what is the alternative? But Neitz, the Tom McDonald thing just isn't working. Yeah, but you've right? got to like – but he took, took a nice mark at the end there. And so, maybe you've got to just persist with it for – like, I don't know, maybe you just have to hope that he gets into form eventually. Play him up the higher up the ground a bit, but then put him back in the goal square when you can. I'm not sure. Jeez, but we've waited a long time. It is. I agree. I agree. And he just doesn't look li- likely. Like, yeah. the, the, the thing for me and the reason I think it's time to abandon the experiment is it's not as if he's getting in great positions constantly and the ball is just falling out of his hands, right? Which happens if you're a bit low on form. He just doesn't really look near it. And I appreciate late in the game, he got a couple of chances. And bizarrely, his eight possession game was probably one of his best games in a long time. But, you know, he's just not a consistently dangerous threat. He's not getting several looks at the goals. And 
I don't know. I think it's timing our forward line. I think we look way more dangerous when Petrarca was deep because it, it is unpredictable and it's dynamic and, you know. I agree. I'm also just concerned about wasting Petrarca. Not wasting, sure. sorry. That's the wrong word. But, you know, Petrarca's skills basically just languishing in the goal square, hoping for, right. hoping to try and make something happen when but maybe he should be up higher up the ground in the thick of it. That's, that's a very fair concern. But you know what else I'd do? I'd play Lockhart and Joel Smith in the forward line. Right? Yeah. I think they both really showed something in the forward line. I agree with that. I don't know why, they, why, why Goodwin's trying to remake them. I think what, what they've shown is in those positions. Um, Joel Smith does look exciting when he's leading at the ball. I don't know if either of them have enough composure to be in the defense right now. Give them a go in the forward line. Well, the other problem I have is I just don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of players that seem to be playing out of position or just it's just confusing what their position is. So let's talk about Angus Brayshaw because I was staggered to hear how much time, Caroline talked about this on SCN, but I was staggered to hear how much time Gus actually spent on the bench. That's that's so bizarre. For someone who kicked two goals and was, you know, weirdly who kicked like what, a third of our goals, it seems extraordinary to me that he was, you know. I don't get it because he's, he's known for his tank, right? That's one of his key attributes. Um, but yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't be on the ground for longer. And he had a really good game, I have to say, one of his best games in quite a while. But he only got 15 possessions, which tells me that he's probably not playing in the right position for long enough, right? Well, it's just strange to me. I just I can't understand what's going on with that. I don't really know where harm, what Harms' role is meant to be right now. Yeah, and he was then, playing half forward. Yeah, and he got plenty of the ball, but I don't think it's particularly damaging. And then I'm not really sure what Milksham is doing. I mean, I mean, look, yeah. Milksham is seems to be in a little bit of a slump at the moment. Yeah, um, and. You know, we haven't seen some of his brilliant field kicks. You know, I have to say I really miss Jesse Hogan's field kicking. Yeah. Uh, like his kicks into the forward line kind of, you know, I, I think maybe we underestimated that part of his game from 2018 in particular. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I'm just not really sure. We, we're really not getting that much out of milkshakes at the moment either. So, look, I mean, it's just – I'm just not really sure what people – were. If they, I think that there's just a lot of player confusion, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I would go back to some level of basics – I would put Gus in the middle for much longer because, frankly, I do think our team is better when Gus is kicking to the forward line rather than Viney. Um, I would put Joel Smith Lockhart in the forward line. I would put Harms as a tagger on the ball. I would kind of go back what to what happened some of the to when he was things. like tagging Jack McRae, and that looked like a genius move from Goodwin. Yeah, I don't know. It just completely abandoned that. Um, and you know, it would have been nice to have him on on Dangerfield or something like that, or, or on Selwood. I don't really know what his role is um, because the problem with using him as a as a half forward or a half back or whatever is he's not like an amazing kick. It's not like he's so damaging that we can use him as some specialist kicker. So I don't know. I don't think he has that much impact right now. Okay, so our next disagreement of the week is is my is my uh, big call. I don't know if Christian Salem will ever be a star. Tell me more. Okay, tell me more. Tell me more about this extremely predictable and strict scripted uh, disagreement of the week. <laughs> um, basically, look, my position is this. I love Salem. I have a lot of belief in Salem as a player, but I just thought that what happened at the end was kind of just emblematic of his career in some ways. Like, I think it's funny because I, I'll never forget he, when we won that Essendon game and he kicked the winning goal and it was just amazing and mm. we were so happy. And I thought this guy's going to be a superstar. And it just hasn't really panned out that way, right? We're still waiting for him to become this, for all of that talent to basically come to fruition. And 
the thing is, is that just that last moment, like kicking into the forward line, when you know that you're the best kick in the team, surely, and if he doesn't, that's bizarre. How could he not know? But basically, he's the best kick in the team by a fair way. He knows that the forward line is completely unstructured and a bit hopeless and no one's really marking anything. So why would you do that? Why wouldn't you take the responsibility on yourself to try and have a shot? He probably did think he had the distance, right? But like, honestly, he's got more of of a chance than anybody in that forward line to actually take a mark. Yeah. I've seen Salem kick over 50 meter goals. So it is a bit strange that he didn't wasn't willing to go for it. And another thing that confused me, and maybe this is just a bit, it just seems strange to me that like when Tomlinson accidentally basically marked that ball, like he sort of, Salem also just sort of turned away and just sort of accepted that like Tomlinson would have the shot. Why wouldn't he be sniffing around? Yeah, uh, to get the little hand Yeah, I don't really understand. Like I don't, it's like there's no, it's like he's not very arrogant. It's like he's too humble. I think, I think there's something to be said for what you're saying. I mean, he, he does present as just like a really nice, humble guy. And my theory is that footballers kind of need to be dicks to some extent. Well, just, you need a little bit of swagger about yourself, I right? I just feel like Nat Fife, even though Nat Fife is not even that amazing a kick in a lot of ways, right? Like, I mean, he's amazing in everything else, but his kicking isn't his thing. Yeah. But he would never have just sort of like kicked the ball into the forward 50. I feel like he just would have just given it a shot. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you look at back the old players like Jonathan Brown, who would take these shots from outside 50 on the boundary just because it is the crunch time, or Jimmy Bartell. You know, yeah, look, I'm not ready to write off Salem being a star yet because I do think he has like a very unique kicking ability. He's a fantastic tackler and he's just really got good poise. I did, don't know if it'll happen under Goodwin because I don't think they're developing his killer instinct. I think he needs to take more responsibility. I totally agree with you. He should see himself as the best kick in the team and act like that and strut around like that and expect the ball, you know? And he doesn't have to always kick the goal, obviously, but... I don't think any Melbourne player, uh, any Melbourne fan would have criticized Salem for taking a shot. Absolutely not. You know, I would have been Knowing like, how inept our forward line is. Uh, knowing how inept the forward line is. And knowing that the truth is, is, you know, you watch the forward line in action at the moment and no one really looks like they're crying out for the ball. No one yeah. really is like, you know, please, you, you know what I mean? Nobody's really like desperate to have the ball in their hands. They all kind of look, I said this to you during the game, actually, it kind of looks a little bit like... um you know when you're watching sort of like an under 15s game and people are just like really scared. Well, you know when you're watching like an under 12s game, really. And people How many are under really, 12 games have you watched? You know, yeah. not that many, but like I, <laughs> I hear this is what happens in them. Um, no, but you know when kids are playing football and everybody just looks a bit terrified when they get the ball in their hands. Yeah. At some points, that is what it looks like when the Melbourne players get the football in their hands in the forward line. There's not many people that really, really want the moment. No, I think I reckon Cosy Pickett wants it. I reckon Track wants Track's it. Track's definitely starting to have that belief. There's not many others. No, I agree. Really, even weirdly, I think Jaden Hunt likes the moment. I think he really backs himself, for better or worse, but he really does, you know. <laughs> I think he's um, safe for worse. It's this ineffable thing, and you do need it as a forward, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. All right, so what made you smile this week, Kieran? Well, look, for me, I have to say Mitch Hannon, and I appreciate he had one of his standard eight-possession games where all his possessions came in the third quarter, which is like his standard career trajectory. We should actually do a statistical analysis of how many possessions per game in which quarter. But what I love about him is he's just busy, you know? Like, he's always trying to create. He tackles super hard. He works his guts out. He looks lively. He's super lively. He took a good mark. Uh, He got a great holding the ball. Um, I think he kicked a goal as well. He was just busy, you know? And so, I'm very excited to announce that he's the winner of um, this week's Rowan Bale Award. What do you mean? Is it back? underrated performance. Yes, it is back. Um, 
there's been an executive decision made to reinstate the Rowan Bale Award for Most Underrated Player. Who who made that executive decision? Uh, me, as okay. the executive producer. And, and what am I exactly? I don't know what you are. Um, and that's because of the groundswell of public outrage. Do you mean the people on our forum? Yes. On the deluded community forum? Yes. Please, please, please continue to invite your friends to that forum, by the way. Yes. Uh, it's been going well. Um, yes, I've had six separate messages, which is- You a, have a real, not. I have. Which Name is real, them all. I'm not going to bore the fans. No, but, give, no uh, give a shout outs no. to who is- I want to know who are the people who've been crying out for it. I'm not going to- I'm not going to bore it's people. because or, uh, just, with all these proper nouns, it's too much, isn't it? Um, but look, the award's back. We need to rec- recognize something. I think Mitch Hannon gets it this week. Okay. Well, I give the award, which I question the existence of, to Pig. Because I thought that Pig had a great return, to be honest. I mean, mm. look, he, the poor guy's had such a hard year and you can never sort of underestimate how bad his, you know, his year would have been for him emotionally. My God, everything that happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought he played a great game and I was just really, he felt like he was back to his old Pig, you know, just like aggressive and yeah. hungry and yeah, it was good to see. And look, I will give a bit of a prop to the coaching team for dropping him and then bringing him back because, you know, it's a big call to drop him. I do think. He's an Australian. And frankly, it did seem to be a slightly weird call to bring him back, even though nothing really had happened in the meantime, we could see. But he did look like the player he was two years ago for the first time. So, look, if this continues, that's amazing. Um, You know, hopefully they do that with Jeddah this week, right? Yeah. Who's kind of slightly mysteriously dropped in my view. Um, Maybe he'll come back and- Show something, I don't know. So now we're against Richmond. So we've been all G'd up for a sort of Swans episode. Well, I was, because for me, right. this is really my grand final, yeah. you know? like You circle this game. Oh, you, 100%. Yeah. I just, I sit there uh, sort of, you know, salivating over the prospect of a battle between Clayton Oliver and Rowbottom, <laughs> who I who I hear is the new uh, Josh Kennedy, according right. to Doug So you did Thompson. all your opposition research. I did, yeah. I did my Richmond. oppo analysis. Yeah, exactly. And now right. we're against Richmond. Uh, sorry. So that's depressing. For many reasons. Well, mostly because, look, Richmond are in a, a bit of a funk at the moment. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if we played them back into form, but... I mean, they still have a lot of gun players. So, look, I haven't watched the Richmond games when they've lost, but it is kind of mystifying to me that they're struggling so much, oh, given, given the talent they have. Yeah, completely. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. What do you think about very early changes? I mean, surely Jetta gets a go ahead of, um, you know, either Lockhart, Rivers, Rivers or, or one of these people. Smith. Right, I mean, yeah, surely, for sure, for surely. sure. Um, I think that must be the case. Do they bring Jones back? I mean, that's the thing. I will mm. say, like, and look, I, I suggested or you know, proffered that maybe Jones should be dropped based on form. But ultimately, if they are concerned now, which they should be, about the fact that Melksham doesn't seem to have gotten going yet this season in terms of his kicking into the forward line and his role as a half forward, then maybe they bring Jones back and just ask Jones him to in from Melksham. Well, That's not Jones call. in from Melksham, but Jones in to basically boost up that area because they're obviously yeah. struggling in that area a lot more. Um, I guess so. I mean, I would rather bring in someone like Weed. Um, and just see how he goes. I think we just have to give him some games and see how that goes, push Tom McDonald up the ground. But if they're going to keep McDonald at full forward, I don't know if I'd change the forward line that much, which I know sounds a bit ridiculous given we've just been giving them a bake the whole time. But you look at the players there. I mean, Hannon, first game back, um, played all right. Vandenberg wasn't great, but look, he's had such a rough run. You've got to give him more time. Cosy didn't have a great game, but he showed flashes. I mean, I'm not sure exactly who you would you would drop and whether someone coming in would really make it better. What about Benno? See, uh, that's oh, another yeah. thing that that's, I that's also thought was quite mystifying is how he ended up 
not in the team mm. or being managed or whatever it was, even though yeah. he's had a two-week break. And that concerns me a bit because, you know he only what? Pay- played, I think, like 70% game right. time. Right. And the thing as well that bothers me is I'm like, oh, we really need him. Like, he just, mm. you know, given how much we are struggling with just class in the forward line. Well, we need what he could be. We haven't really we seen need what he yet could be. Melbourne, we yeah. need what he could be. But even, you know, even the one game that he played, in, you know, against Carlton, yeah. he at least just showed that he can use the ball and just make yeah. good decisions. Like, unlike everybody else who panics as if it's sort of – you know, under 12s, keepings off. Like, yeah. he actually looks like he knows what he's doing. So, you know. I'd love to bring him in. And the, th- the thing I'd say um, about that is if he comes in and he does nothing, like, I would still respect the coaching staff for picking someone who could actually create a good team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. Like, some of these players they pick are just safe and they're okay and they're going to do a little bit, but you know they're not going to do that much. You know, they're just, they're just not good <laughs> enough players. That's like our, the history of our last 20 years, right? Um, and so, as a player like Benel is exciting. Yeah, I would love to see him back. Just someone with a bit of class, I think. You know, we just yeah. don't, we just don't have enough of it on the list. Is really it? Like, we've there's such a class golf, I think, yeah. between us and a lot of other teams. Yeah. Um, as depressing as that might sound, but look, I mean, look, I mean, Richmond aren't looking great at the moment. Mm. I um, I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to tip us to beat them yet. No, I mean, there'd be really no basis to tip us to to beat Richmond. I mean, you look at our run. We were very poor against West Coast. We beat Carlton, but frankly, they were a player down, missed a lot of shots. I mean, I think we got a bit lucky, frankly. Geelong, competitive, definitely, but, you know, I don't think we deserve to win that game, really, ultimately. I don't know how we beat Richmond. I mean, look, it'll be interesting to see how our backline goes against Lynch and Rewalt. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think we're probably going to go go down by like 20 points, but, you know, Given the game's are pretty low scoring, I don't think we'd be blown out of the water. I think we probably will have a chance, but I don't think we're good enough to win this week. Oh, that's a very uplifting note. So our mm. year of optimism has started off with a bang. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you are feeling cheerfully optimistic about other things in life, please um, join our Facebook group, the uh, Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan community. Um, thanks to everyone who's joined so far. We've had some yeah, great numbers and... Yeah, finally realized how to do social media somewhat. So, somewhat. Somewhat. Um, we're super appreciative, though, for everyone who has joined. And please keep inviting your friends and, yeah. and every and, D's person you know to join the And keep posting because you've probably noticed that we shamelessly rip off some of the topics from people uh, in the episode. So we'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, and if you're willing for us to quote you on air, we will happily do that. Um, we'd also be very grateful if you could subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you could um, leave a uh, rating, that would be amazing. Um, and a written review would be fantastic as well. Um, and uh, you can tell us how we're doing on the balance between positive and negative. <laughs> Unless you think we're doing badly. In which case, feel free not to leave that review. <laughs> you silence your critics well, my love. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but thank you once again for joining this very hungover, deluded. We will join you sharper, ready for battle next week. Good days. Good days.